Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this show comes from Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account. So ambitious companies have the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And today we got a bunch of interesting, quirky things to talk about that have happened in the past week. One of them would be the fastest charging we've ever seen. One of them would be the fastest car we've ever seen. And then a bunch more stuff in between. Um, also, you might have noticed we've got a little bit of a new, new intro vibe. The new music is feeling pretty good. Shout out to Vane Sill, who's obviously extremely talented. He's made videos. He's made music in MKBHD videos before. Uh, just leveling up, covering the podcast too. The guy is incredible. Yeah, and a big shout out to Cameron Barlow, who made the original music. Um, I think we've told the story, but he was one of the first people to ever send us music when we started Waveform, and everything we got sent after that was nowhere close to as good. So yeah, he crushed it. OG waveform music we're uh taking a new chapter but big shout out to him because that was that was yeah. huge two years almost i think that was yeah. going so awesome. now so you've got <laughs> you've got all you wrote here is andrew rant about pixel 4xl yeah. i have no idea what you're ranting about but yeah the stage is yours. i'm just gonna like all right we all first of all let's the elephant out of the room i'm still using a pixel 4xl just because you work here doesn't mean you've got like literally the I mean, Marquez does, but like we're all not reviewing the phones as much as Marquez. I'm using it. I like it. I like the phone. It's been good. I didn't love the Pixel 5, but but it is out of all the phones I've had in my entire life, it has caused me the most issues ever, like hands down out of everything I've ever had. Okay. Um, And right now I'm at the point where I can't use it unless it's plugged in. And this kind of stems, I think, all from possibly the same issue but I'll, I'll i'll go back like a couple months ago to when so it's i not, first had my like big issue with it. right not just software bugs you mean like no, problematic not, like, i don't believe it's 
okay. software at all. Got so the, the first thing that started happening was probably four or five months ago, I noticed the back glass was like a little off on the top. And I noticed it because I had a skin on the phone and I was like, oh, the skin just looks way too thick. And I realized it was actually because the glass was starting to peel off. And, and at first it didn't seem that bad. It just looked like a little lip. And I didn't think anything of it, but fast forward maybe a month from there and that lip now has a gap in it. So just the whole back glass on the phone is like completely peeling off. And that was of because it. of the battery swelling? I don't know what that was because of. I have no reason, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was enough of a gap that I could see lint had gotten inside of the phone and inside of the camera lenses. I can't think of any other reason for the back glass of the phone to literally rip out of so, the glue and come off the back of the phone. I had seen some things um, online of people having similar issues and some of their thoughts, one was battery swelling. Mm -hmm. um, another thought was just potentially heat or something, just making the adhesive like not good enough to where the adhesive is now just coming off and not keeping the glass on the phone anymore. Okay. Um, because of that, my solution to it was to put a drop of super glue on the top and then start using a case. I haven't used the case in a while, but I've been a case person mostly because of that. Because even with like the super glue, if it if it fixed it, I've pretty much lost confidently waterproofing the phone anymore. Yeah. Right? Like there's no reason if that seal is broken. Don't get that anywhere near water. Yeah, exactly. So I I mean that in itself I've been much more careful with the phone. So then maybe three months ago, my next problem started where I was using my phone one day and it was at 50% and the battery, my phone just turned off as I was using it. And I thought that was really strange. Um, clearly it was at 50%. I don't know what happened. And I plug it in and I get this battery icon with a question mark on it. And that never ever feels like a good sign. A battery icon with a question mark. Yeah, so like the black screen, normally when you plug it in, you would get like a red battery icon for your phone being dead, which it shouldn't have been because it said 50%, mm -hmm. but I got just a question mark. Battery safety shut off is gonna yeah. be my guess. I still not 100% sure of what it was, but so my solution that night when it happened was, okay, I'm just going to plug it in and I'm gonna leave it overnight and it's gonna charge. I was It was close to bedtime and I wasn't quite, I didn't feel like finagling with it for that long. Um, wake up the next morning and it still says, I turn it on and it says 50%. I was like, there is absolutely no way this could be physically plugged in the entire night and still be at 50% battery. Uh, and I don't know what I eventually did to fix it, but it started working. I, I eventually got it to the point where when I turned it off and plugged it in, it had the red battery icon with a percentage. So I knew it was at least charging, which to me, that was a step up because it hadn't been doing that before. Fast forward to the next time it happens, a couple weeks later, and... I started researching a bit more what's going on. People are saying that there's something wrong with the battery connection itself and that the battery is fine, but the connection and the reporting to the phone is what's messing up. So in that process, one of the fixes, which I can't believe I even tried because just reading it online seemed so dumb. It was turn your phone on, which it has to be plugged in to turn on. Turn your phone on, turn Bluetooth off. I don't know what this part accomplishes, but turn off Bluetooth unplug your phone, turn it off, and then you, an inch from the bottom and an inch to the right, you press your thumb as hard as possible on the back of the phone, and then you plug it in and it starts charging. And it worked. And I didn't really question it. I kind of was hoping it was a one-time thing, but then it's about two weeks after that it happened again, did the trick, it worked. 
I did the trick probably four or five times until last night, finally, same thing, phone. It's really weird when it does it too, because like the phone starts stuttering a bunch and like feels like you're just like out of storage yeah. almost, or like it's it I feels feel like, like a really old phone and then just dies. I feel like I understand your problem. I feel yeah. like I get it. If I had to guess, uh, this is, it just started with your battery like having some sort of problem, mm -hmm. swelling up a little bit. So the battery swells up right off the bat. There should probably theoretically be some safety protocols in place when a phone detects that its battery is having problems. Because yeah. nobody wants that bad PR of like, yeah, it just swelled up and exploded in my pocket. So I'm guessing once that happened and separated your back, the phone realized at some point battery's not okay and started limiting what it allows the battery to do. If you realize the battery's having a problem, don't allow that to charge to 100%. Don't allow that to get to zero. Don't let that battery discharge too fast. So when your phone starts stuttering, it's probably limiting the battery so much the voltage so, of the parts is also going down. I bet if you replaced just the battery of that phone, everything is back to normal. I agree with your solution, mm -hmm. but I don't think that's exactly what's happening. And the reason I don't think it's limiting it to like charge 100% or like you're saying you think it's dying at 50% because it doesn't want it to go to zero. Right. Yeah, I'm saying it's limiting what the battery is physically able to do for safety reasons. I think the battery itself, at least in the sense of it's still getting to 100, because I had charged it to 100% plenty of times when it wasn't doing that. And every time, the couple times when it like uh, at 50% died and I got to fix, like within a couple minutes did the trick and got it to turn on again, yeah. the battery is completely dead. So I think it's losing some sort of connection and its default is just set it at 50% is the as battery a battery. dead or did it just auto shut off for safety? It It's dead because when I would plug it in and get it to work, it was at red battery, 1% battery. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a problem with the, uh, the connection and the way it's reading the battery level and then probably being safe and shutting off. Or yeah. I, I don't even know, it's definitely dying. It's 100% dying because I'm getting 1% battery. Yeah, you just need There's no battery. way it's like, yeah, uh, that that's what the, Solution seems to be Google will apparently RMA it, but when you're in a pinch, I wanted it to work and I just kept doing the trick, which is probably the bad, bad thing to do. And now it yeah. keeps doing that. So now I have to figure something out. I would have bailed the second it started swelling the battery. It, I it, still it, don't know if the battery's swelling, but I am 100% today after recording this going to open the phone up and see what's going on in there. Yeah. I'll post pictures on Twitter or something like that. And, okay. Uh, but right. I'm kind of excited to see what's in there. And well, speaking of dangerous batteries, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> yes. segue, we've got a story, and it's really just a tweet, but yeah, Xiaomi tweeted, tweet. um, or actually Ice Universe tweeted this, but mm -hmm. it's a Xiaomi video. Uh, Xiaomi released, and when we say released, that's in air quotes, they've demonstrated this technical ability mm -hmm. to do 200 watt wireless charging. No, wired, and, wired Sorry, charger. 200 watt wired charging and 120 watt wireless charging, which again, those are some crazy numbers, but to put them in context, uh, Samsung's fast charging right now is 25 watts. Okay. Wait, really? Yeah, it's 25 Oof, watts. I didn't know. Um, some of the fastest charging in any phones right now would be your 65 watt fast charging. They did Oppo do 120 watts. At the watt? very bleeding edge, yeah, okay. highest end, there may be a phone or two that supports 100 or 120 watt fast charging, which is crazy fast. It wasn't a uh, the Lenovo one that, but you had. 
you had to put two wires in Plug to in do it. both at yeah. once, which is insane and beautiful for a video thumbnail. Yeah. Um, this one, 200 watt wired charging is, uh, I think they demonstrated it on a 4,600 milliamp hour battery or something like that. Literally, they plug it in, and I'm, I'm not even exaggerating, within 45 seconds, you've gotten 10% battery. It, you can watch the battery Crazy. percentage go up in 45 seconds to 10%. The whole thing's done in 100% eight minutes. Zero, zero to 108 minutes. Now, obviously, cool. All right, great. You've demonstrated this crazy ability to pump huge voltage through that wire and through that port and mm -hmm. into that battery. What's the catch? <laughs> Which is like, uh, Xiaomi's not going to tell you. The catch is catch. it might catch on fire. <laughs> I think, I honestly think they've probably mitigated the catching on fire part. It's easy to make I, jokes about yeah, it's going to yeah. explode and like it's never going to work. I just think the the discharge rate is going to be just as fast. Like how long does that battery last? Yeah, like both overall lifetime. Overall lifetime and like how many charge cycles you can have, but mm -hmm. also in like daily use. Like you think how, so? You think well, it affects? I think it might affect huh. the overall discharge time of the battery in day-to-day -day use. If you can upcharge that fast, then you can output that same speed. I don't know this for a fact. I just know that there has to be a catch. There's gotta be a catch. <laughs> There's I gotta mean, be a catch. My initial thought would be the catch is battery life. Not like, not day to day, but just overall in general. Health. Like a ca yeah, health, great yeah. way. But I, I also think what's crazy about this is 120 watt wireless charging is now the fastest we've seen wired charging in wireless form Yep. instead. I almost feel like when you reach down to pick it up, you're gonna like feel the energy. Yeah, like the little, like force field of just like power around it. Like this what phone, happens? This phone already gets. I'm holding a OnePlus Nine Pro for audio listeners, uh, but you should you should check out the the YouTube version. Uh, this phone, when it wireless charges, it gets warm. Yeah. And I put it on this wireless charger, and the OnePlus wireless charger has fans in it, so it's blowing those fans while it's charging quickly to keep the temperatures down because it knows that wireless charging just gives off a lot of heat. It's not super efficient. Mm -hmm. So when you pump that much wattage, what's the wattage on the OnePlus? Charger? Um, that's a good question. Wasn't I it like probably, 75? Mm, a little less than that, I think. Okay. And you have to buy one pluses, by the way, yeah, to yeah, get yeah. the maximum speed. Uh, 50 watt wireless charging. Okay. So, but it gets warm and like to the I, touch. This is where, more than double that? Yeah. I take the phone off the charger and I'm like, wow, this is, this is kind of, kind of toasty. And I, I wonder when you take that phone off of the 120 watt wireless charger, if you can just like immediately <laughs> crack an egg and fry <laughs> it on the back of that phone. Cause that's something, that's something else. Wasn't it a... Uh, it was like the HTC U Ultra, that mirror finish one where the press kit came with a white glove because of how many fingerprints. Yeah. I feel like this charger is going to come with a glove just to, or uh, what are those fireplace tongs that you put the like Oven the log in with? Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This will be interesting. Xiaomi does this a lot and we don't necessarily get to see it happen in a phone. Like we might not have 200 watt wired charging in a phone this year, but it's cool that they're pushing that limit. My question is, are we going to get to a point where it doesn't matter how fast it charges anymore? If every phone charges at 150 watts, are we are we good? Do we do we stop? Never. We keep going. 300 watts. What are you, 400 watts. When is it going to? What what point do you just like tap it on something and you just have full battery again? <laughs> it's it's that weird. I think the better version of this future of battery tech is long range wireless charging, so that you're almost always at 80 percent everywhere you go. I think that's like in-room wireless charging would be really cool. Yeah, because then you don't have to worry. Yeah, because then you don't have to worry about my phone battery is low. Let me go to a charger. I mm -hmm. think this plugging in in a wire 
will eventually be an old version of what we think of what charging used to be. And now, or not now, in the future, we won't really think about charging ever because we'll always be somewhere near this wireless charging happening. Now, again, the what's the catch question always comes up with that. Like, is that safe if it's always radiating through our bodies? Yeah. Is it going to be a problem? Will my phone get warm in my pocket as it's charging? I don't, I don't know all the answers here, but I imagine with all the downsides of both of these versions, I would rather have my phone always at 80% rather than going from zero to 102 seconds. That just seems crazy. I mean, I would also just like a, a better built battery where I can fit 10,000 milliamp hours in the size of a phone that is right now. I feel like at some point we're gonna yeah. stop improving the charging tech and the batteries just have to improve as well. Yeah. But Do you have a, a, a lowest speed you'll go or a highest speed? Like, I don't really have goals for batteries anymore. Like, I feel like they're no, good. We work in a situation where battery charges like almost never an issue. Like I, I rarely find situations where batteries that big of a deal. I guess like if I were going camping or something or hiking and, or a long uh -oh. day out or ultimate tournament, which I don't do anymore, but that's when it, I would ever really push it. But at this point, I don't know. Yeah, I, I never really get towards the end unless it says 50% and it's not really and then just dies. So, <laughs> Yeah, I just I'm imagining Xiaomi going, oh, we did it again. Now we have 300 watt wireless wired charging and it goes zero to 100 percent in six minutes flat. I will, like, Great. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like it's more of a headline for a while until uh, then it won't be kind of like uh, why can't I remember DxO Mark oh. DxO Mark. Great headline. DxO Mark doing... doesn't really matter anymore. Battery? They start doing battery charging ratings mm. till you get over. That 100%. actually sounds way more interesting than what they're actually doing. Why? I, I would just like to see if they could scientifically just test how it's affecting battery health and how fast it's actually charging, and then how it's charging at different percentages and stuff like that, and give it a an overall score. It's a much less subjective rating system, also because like the biggest complaint with DxO Mark is that it's like pretty subjective to what they think is a good photo and right. it's scientifically driven based on their subjective viewpoint mm -hmm. so battery can't really be yeah it either lasts or it doesn't yeah i think this video literally i mean you can you can plot out on a chart the zero to 100 percent battery which is like it goes real fast at the beginning like i said 10 percent in 45 seconds and then evens out and you're done in eight minutes and i just I can't imagine much faster than that being particularly can, useful, yeah. but great. I'm glad Xiaomi's getting there. Maybe put it in a phone. Uh, speaking of zero to 100 real quick, I'm on a roll. Um, Rimac Concept 2, which has now been renamed to the Rimac Nevera. Nevera. So the yeah. Concept 2 uh, started making a little bit of press runs. They've been, they've been working on this car for a long time. For those unfamiliar, the Rimac yeah. Concept 2 or the Remac Nevera, we, we did a video on the Concept One, which is a million and a half dollar, tiny supercar, you know, mega hypercar Stress that's fully electric. Tiny. Very tiny, tiny, very electric, very fast. They are made, They only made like eight of them. They're making a, a larger run of these, but they're gonna be 1900 horsepower, massive power, four motors, one at each wheel, and these are gonna be hypercars. And, uh, they've been calling it the concept too, and they're starting to like get to finishing development on it, and they've been saying like, oh, we're at 85% power, we're at 90% power, oh, really? we're almost done. Um, I saw a car wow video where they now have done a drag race with the, the Nevera, 
mm-hmm. and the Ferrari SF90. And again, I just want to give context because the SF90, it's not a million dollar hypercar, but that's just about as fast as a, as a car gets today. Um, we are looking at the fastest ever production quarter mile times of like any street car ever made. And I think it's like top three of all time. Hmm. It gets zero to 60 in like 2.3 seconds. It gets to the quarter mile in well under 10 seconds. Uh, it beats the McLaren 765 LT off the line. It's like a half million dollar car. It's incredible. Um, this car makes it look like a toy. Hmm. It literally blows past it. And the, the the crazy part is like the SF90 is a hybrid. It's got this great launch and then it combines the electric motors with the gas power. This, this Nevera did not have a problem with it. So hmm. if you watch that video, it does zero to 60 in 1.85 seconds. Oh my That's God. Good. I mean, we're getting to the point where production cars now have to be, we have to look at the hundredth of a second to like kind of really differentiate now because Roadster's claiming 1.9, right? So right. 1.85, it clearly wants the headline over Roadster, which also how long until Roadster gets a software update and they're trying to beat that. The thing about that time is you are basically approaching the limits of traction with yes. rubber tires. Mm-hmm. So when you say 1.9 versus 1.85, it's like on a perfect prepped surface yeah, yeah, yeah. with the exact right battery and the perfect launch. That's as fast as you can go with motors. Wait, quick question. With electric, is there such thing as like a non-perfect yeah. launch? Yeah, like people go to a prepped drag strip with sticky oh, tires okay, okay. and You're a saying sticky pure like, grip, launch environment actual. and they okay. can maximize traction almost artificially because the streets aren't like that mm-hmm. and they will get 1.9 seconds. But on the street, it's never going to be that fast. Yeah, You're yeah. always hunting for traction on mm-hmm. street surfaces. The point is... Um, it's not going to get much faster than this with with uh, with just tires. So well, I think Roadster is using some tricks. What, well, what's funny about that is, and what I think is funny about one of the things I read about this is because of how fast that is and because of how powerful that is, they're, they have this like driving AI and like a built-in driving coach that inside the car teaches you how to properly handle the car because it assumes people just straight up cannot handle that and it's a it's coming at 2.4 million dollars and only 150 yeah. made so th- so it's like when you don't have to mess teach, it up you need to teach someone how to drive this you know when Jedner did that uh fighter pilot like ride along they had like a two-seater I vaguely remember it, yeah. they had like a two-seater uh jet that you get to ride along and you have to learn to like contract your leg muscles to keep the blood above your heart and like breathe a certain way <laughs> to stay not blacking out like if you need to give lessons to people you probably shouldn't yeah, be right. selling it <laughs> i mean it there's only legal. 150 of these but it, like we kind of had this conversation like let's assume we get to the technology where tires can handle it and these can go faster mm-hmm. at what point does the human driving it become the limiter of how fast I know, I know there's got to be an actual answer to this, right? There's got to be some physicist out there that can help us It would just be how this. many Gs you can handle. Right, like how before you just pass out. They were saying uh, the 0 to 60 in 1.1 with the SpaceX Roadster with the with the like cool uh-huh. rocket thrusters on the back is like 2.5 Gs. And it's fine because it's 2.5 lateral Gs. Mm-hmm. So if you just get kicked in the back and you just just get shoved forward at two and a half G's. You'll you won't black out, but you'll really feel it. But humans don't really go too far past two and a half G's yeah. like on a regular basis ever. At what point does the zero to sixty still count if it self drives the passed out human in the driver's seat past <laughs> sixty, gets the time and then someone has to like give CPR hey, to if you win the race, you win the race. I man. bet I bet that would still hit a headline. Okay. Man. I think we 
I think we covered everything we yeah. wanted to do with Red I mean, Backpack. I'll just, I'll toss in there, uh, top speed, 258 miles oh, yeah, an hour. Yeah, yeah. 20 kilowatt hour battery pack, is that right? That's what I pulled from the article. That doesn't seem right. 120 kilowatt hour battery pack. Okay. Oh, I missed the one. My that'll bad. that'll do it. 120. I mean, the the current top of the range stuff I is don't, 100. That that number still means not much to me because I haven't experienced living with an electric car. So that that's just total size of battery pack. I just don't yeah. know what is a. Uh, yeah, I mean, so the the older Teslas that were 75D were mm-hmm. a 75 kilowatt hour battery pack. Then they had the ADD, the P85 just, plus. That was always the number of the kilowatt okay, hours. Yeah. So then they had P100D. We were I like, like, do you understand that? I just always, okay. Yeah, 100 cool. is like the standard right now, but the future stuff will be over that. I, have, I can't get a concept of how big this car is. It does look bigger than the other one, but it's the other one was like uh, under your waist, it's tiny. And then lengthwise, this looks like much longer and much more similar to... I mean, maybe what we assume Roadster is going to be like, it looks really good too. Yeah, from the one time I saw Roadster in person, it's not a small car. I mean, it's a low mm-hmm. car, but it is like Aventador big. Like okay. it's still got some length to it. Uh, this to me looks somewhere in between. Or what about like original Roadster? Original Roadster is tinier. It's much smaller. smaller. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a like. Huracan Plus. <laughs> this one? For context, yeah, okay. I think so. But either way, I'll probably never drive it. I mean, if 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 Remac wants to get one out here to the he, studio, Didn't I would. he, like, tweet at you or he something? He did want us to get our hands on one, yeah. and I would happily do a whole autofocus video mm-hmm. with it, living with it. I, I, there's only 150 customers that can even care about something like this, but I would happily do I would do assume video. At, best, at best he'd give it to you on, like, a track or something. I would do that. But, heartbeat. yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> that yeah. sounds fun sick all right well, let's take a quick ad break we'll come back because we got to talk about tesla removing features and some other stuff that's been in the news we'll be right back support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for Waveform comes from Coda. So it can be tough to stay organized when your team is spread across time zones. With Coda, you can help keep your whole team on the same page with an all-in-one collaborative workspace that brings together the best of documents, spreadsheets, and apps into one platform. That means less time ping-ponging between different tabs and tools and more time on your projects. 
So with Coda's extensive planning capabilities, you can stay aligned when managing planning cycles and while measuring objectives and key results. Plus, you can access hundreds of templates and get inspired by others in Coda's gallery. So over 50,000 teams across the world collaborate with Coda, from the New York Times to Square, uh, from Toast to TED and Uber. So if you want a platform that enables and empowers your team to collaborate effectively and focus on shared goals, you can get started with Coda today for free. You can head over to coda.io slash wave. So that's coda, C-O-D-A dot I-O slash wave to get started for free. Coda.io forward slash wave. All right, speaking of electric things moving fast, Tesla is constantly changing their cars. Constantly changing their cars. This is something we've talked about in Tesla videos in the past. I made a video about how you can look at it multiple ways, but Tesla doesn't have model year mm -hmm. numbers. It's so traditional to just have a 2020, 2021, 2022, and every single car you get from that model year is based on the same thing plus options. Yeah. Tesla doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. They will refresh the tech when it's ready, and they are constantly rolling out micro adjustments to software and hardware, tweaking things, adding ventilated seats, changing the headrests, lumbar support. Random things will just change in the car, and you just kind of get the car based on when you bought it. Um, and it seems like the way people generally find out about a lot of these small ones is through forms like Reddit or Twitter or something like that, where they're like... <laughs> There's Am like I no, there's like there? okay. There's three ways I would say that people find out about the changes to the cars. One is an, and none of them are through Tesla, yeah, like yeah, yeah. sharing it themselves. Uh, one will be Elon will respond to a customer uh, about something okay. on Twitter, like, "Hey, my car has this harness. Did you what? Is this new?" Mm -hmm. And he'll go, "Yeah, all the cars produced after November 2020 have this new thing." Uh, two will just be, yeah, like a subreddit post or somebody spying a car somewhere that has a new feature on it. Or there's a lot of people who take delivery, realize something's different, and then it's people confirming that with Forms. their new deliveries, and then they use the VIN number to... To confirm kind of when it was when made. It, if, yeah, if your car will have it based on exactly. that VIN number. So, you know, once in a while, the configurator changes, and you see a substantial difference, but a lot of times this stuff is just kind of quietly happening. Mm -hmm. So the latest one is, like, it, it was a just the right combination of changes to make a nice headline where Tesla's prices went up a little bit, and then they removed, like, one or two features. So Which is like also... A, Price fluctuation is something we're used to as well with yeah, them. All so the time. Hitting two of those, like you said, perfect storm, price goes up, something gets removed. Headline. Big old headline. Easy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one was a little more interesting uh, that they're getting rid of radar in their cars. And I thought this was more than just like a micro adjustment. This is actually sort of future looking as far as their autopilot. Reading the headline as someone who doesn't know is specifically what Radar does or own a Tesla, it feels like a huge, huge headline. It's like really interesting. Getting rid of Radar. Um, yeah. I didn't know much about it, so I quickly just like Googled it and the Tesla subreddit's pretty, pretty awesome. Just like a bunch of people, owners going back and forth about it. I usually like to read that before I read some articles and top comment was... Uh, it's because their current radar is beyond useless for anything other than ACC, which I also don't know what that means. Active cruise control. Okay. Um, it says, radars from 2010 has major issues distinguishing stopped objects, has a very only forward and low field of view, low resolution and range, and can, can't classify objects. And right. then it also, in the like rain and snow, has... A hard time. Yeah, okay. I have some thoughts on this. Okay. Um, and it, they're a little bit mixed because I, I understand the vision. That's mm -hmm. a pun. Um, Tesla is moving mostly entirely in the future towards 
100% vision-based autopilot, yeah. which means they will only use the cameras on the car for sensing what's around the car and steering and driving. Reading signs, seeing cars, recognizing objects on the road, all of that will happen through the cars, cameras on the front, cameras on the side, cameras on the back. Um, and this is something that's been like a sticking point in like different uh, companies' strategies for autopilot. So Waymo, for example, will use high-resolution maps and sensors on the car. Mm -hmm. um, we did that ride in Las Vegas where we rode around in a taxi that was entirely you know, driverless, Yannex, and that was using high-resolution maps. And it was a cool demo, but if you ask Elon about it, he would say, that's useful in that one high-resolution mapped area, yeah. but it's not broadly applicable for the entire globe. You can't high-resolution map the whole world if you just want to go down a trail somewhere or just have your car drive you to the grocery store. It has to work everywhere. So their Tesla strategy has always been, we're going to use all the sensors on the car and just look at what's around and, and map our way through whatever situation we're in and the car will be smart enough to understand it. Now, going vision only and removing radar seems smart because it should be able to use visual cues to identify everything. And mm -hmm. like they mentioned, radar can't identify stop signs. Radar can't really tell what's a car and what's a truck. That's all happening from the cameras. But I found radar to be a useful extra sensor for a couple small things. One is that low field of view has notoriously bounced underneath the car in front of me to see the car in front of the car in front of me and show that car on the map. Yeah. So if that car breaks, my car already knows before the car in front of me breaks, it's gonna start to get ready to break just in case. Like it's got a uh, better vision in inclement weather. This is something, uh, I guess it's a little controversial, but like cameras can get frosted, you know, mm -hmm. ice over them. Cameras can have a hard time with the rain yeah. and the snow. And radar doesn't have nearly as much of a problem with rain and snow. Um, it's still, you know, very rudimentary and low resolution. It's seeing the car in front of you and the car next to you, but at least it's seeing something where a camera might miss it. So I always felt like radar assisted vision was pretty much the right move. It's a good combo. Um, but now Tesla's shipping Model 3s and Model Ys with no radar sensors at all, just the cameras. And because they're making this switch, all of these new cars people are getting have slightly reduced autopilot functionality. Just for safety, they're you know, only going up to a certain speed and they're obviously not working as well as the cars with radar and they're planning on with software over time catching back up to the cars uh -huh. with radar. It's just a tech thing that Tesla does sometimes where they make a change and some of the cars are different from the ones on the road. But I find it interesting. I'm, I'm curious if it's going to catch up to radar-assisted vision because I always felt like Radar assisted vision was great. I read the whole Reddit thread of like owners talking about this, and there's a couple things people were thinking. One is kind of like what you're saying. They, you know, despite maybe it being an outdated specific radar that they're using, they did appreciate the redundancy and something that, yeah. you know, it's ultimately driving your car and could be your life if, if uh, it comes to that. So, like, we like redundancy in mm -hmm. that for sure. There are also a lot of people who think. And I forget exactly why, but there's some people who think that they're going to eventually upgrade the type of radar system that they're using and right. in the future could potentially be another radar system just getting rid of the one they currently have now. But did Elon make like an announcement that they're switching to only that or is that just an assumption because of the lack of this radar. No, they, they've they made it clear that they okay. they want to go vision only. Okay. Yeah. Then that seems so it's unfounded. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm curious if it's actually going to work. Basically, uh, 
I've learned not to bet against the eventual inevitable future of what they're working on, but uh, I, I didn't see any good reason why that redundancy isn't a good thing. It's like to you can bet against or not bet against the eventual future, but that doesn't mean there won't be hiccups and some bumps along the way For in sure. that process. So I sure. think that's like the best way of describing Tesla. Like they've made it to where they want to. There are certainly a couple hiccups along the way though. Yeah. On the way, I, I could see that with this. The road to the future was never smoothly paved. That's yeah, a car. And now you car. don't even have radar to tell if it's smoothly paved or not. <laughs> One other thing you kind of mentioned it briefly, but another kind of headline, which I thought was kind of ridiculous was it looks like people are finding out their new model Ys do not have lumbar support in the passenger side. And for anyone who is upset with this headline, my first question I want to ask you is, have you ever gotten into somebody's car in the passenger seat and adjusted the lumbar support? Because I have never, ever done that. That's a good point. I don't think I've ever adjusted the lumbar support as a passenger in a car. But also, is it losing adjustable lumbar support or is it just losing losing adjustable lumbar support yeah, i guess i don't know if uh, i honestly don't think most people can tell if a seat has lumbar support or not maybe i'm being naive there, i think we're i've being, never changed it in my driver's seat i think we're being ageist ages i think we're being too young here as a i've got a pretty awful back as a uh, as a person who has started to have occasional back things i i feel like i care about the lumbar support but i'm the driver so i don't really mess with it too much when I'm not the driver, but uh, I guess does, does every seat had necessary, like every seat has some sort of lumbar support, yeah. right? Like yeah. I guess Tesla's not exactly known for the like high quality of their seats. There was that whole like Chevy, these are Chevy spark seats, blah, blah, blah. I'm assuming it's not that anymore, but mm -hmm. I guess losing it, I don't know. I've had four knee surgeries. My back is terrible. Like for being 30, my back is way worse than it Have you ridden be. on the passenger side of my car? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I have no issues with it. It's I mean, fine. maybe on a long trip, I would be less comfortable than maybe some other seats, but like nothing about it. We drove to Boston that one day and oh, yeah. I was totally fine. I was passenger seat the whole ride. All right. I certainly didn't adjust it. I can tell you that. From what I hear, Model 3 and Model Y's seats are much better than Model S, much better than my seats. Hmm. So if it's even better... I'm not complaining too much. Yeah. I, I get that it's a removed feature and exactly. it makes a nice headline, but I understand that people don't like seeing this is more expensive and has less things, but I don't feel like lumbar supports the hill to die on for that. All right, here's a question. Mm -hmm. Do you think, so we know Tesla doesn't do yearly updates with their cars. Do you think this new crop of electric cars and new companies coming out will follow in the same footsteps and also not do model years? Is that the future of cars, no more model years, or will they all eventually fall into a 2021-22 thing? So my thought on that, kind of, if I can talk about F-150, for like I know we've talked about it a lot, but I think it kind of has to do with the market they're targeting. Right now, mm. Ford's, when we talked to the guy from Ford who brought the F-150, who was absolutely fascinating by the way just hearing all the stuff they've went through being a like a legacy car manufacturer who's now diving into the ev world their huge goal and like a big reason they did that thousand pound epa mileage was like they don't want anyone coming to ev and being disappointed with it so i think if you are ford in the f-150 you have to do yearly updates because that's what people are used to and mm -hmm. people who are buying cars in that market pickups specifically are used to that if you're Rivian, who clearly doesn't have a market already, I think you can go the Tesla route and do that. I, ultimately, I, maybe this is just because we're used to it. 
I would like to see some sort of a yearly update just because it's easier to keep track of things and keep track of features and additions and subtractions. Yeah. I don't think it needs it. I think it's fine. Everyone with Tesla has made do. It almost turns into a game with this whole like, my VIN number doesn't have lumbar uh, support. Yeah. Like, I think it's kind of funny. Maybe not as the owner of the car, but as yeah. an outsider, it's kind of funny. As to someone watch. who it's bitten in the past, I'm yeah, like, right? please make it more predictable. I think it's Would that's you an want? interesting. I was going to say it's an interesting point. I was thinking it's just going to be about the company making it. If it's an old company, they're going to be stuck in tradition and they're oh, just yeah. going to keep doing model years like Ford. But if it's a new company, then they don't care at all about that. But I do think if you are a even a Rivian for for that matter or Porsche, you want to make things simple and easy to understand. You do want to make some sort of yearly or like well understood updates so people can know exactly what they're buying at any given time. So like them getting there are a lot of traditions in car manufacturing and car selling that I despise. Yearly updates is not one of them. I I think it's it's just easier marketing. It's easier for people to understand. I mean, even just the used car market can get kind of confusing when you like you maybe you see the new RAV4 and you're like, oh, I want to go get a used one. This is listed as a 2012 and you see it as a totally different model. Like it's much easier to keep track with that. Yeah. Um, there are what I love that Tesla does differently is like dealerships. I wish we would get rid of those. But yearly updates, I think, is you're not losing much by uh, continuing to do them. Yeah, I guess cars are such a, a large, complex thing. Like, even in tech, like, you have yearly updates for everything. Mm -hmm. Like, you have the 2021 iPad, and you have the Galaxy S21, and the, the S22 will be next year. And you just, you have, like, these yearly updates. So when you want to go back and, and analyze the old ones or maybe buy a used one, you can go, let me see the model year from yeah. this. This is the year they did that with the screen. Like, mm -hmm. you always know by the model year. So I hear people talk about older cars like, oh, if you're getting an F-150, like avoid the 2007 to the 2013. They did this weird thing with the engine. Like they just know that yeah. that's what happened. But if you're trying to do that with Tesla or if you, if you ever look at trying to buy a used Tesla, mm -hmm. it is kind of a mystery other ask, than the basic specs, what you're going to get. Will you get ventilated seats? I don't know. We're still pretty new into the like used Tesla market, right? I mean, I know they've been around for like 10 years at this point, but still it's pretty common to buy a 10 year old car and use because especially if it's a lease or like a rental that's then getting sold used, they're usually perfectly fine if they have 50,000 miles on it. Yeah. So Tesla, it's really cool because in theory, batteries last longer than typical gas engines. So then you should be able to sell Teslas on the used marketplace for longer and longer and they should hold more and more value. But if you, it's so much harder to market that used car because- Because it's a piece who, of tech. Yeah, yeah, it's a piece of tech and because it doesn't have yearly updates, yours, you could say a 2015 Tesla Model S, but if they made a change somewhere in 2015, that could be two completely different. Which they did. They made yeah. a huge change in 2016. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to hit a, <laughs> hit strike a you nerve don't know. on that one. Will you but... have autopilot or not? I think so. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No, that'll be, it'll be interesting to follow. I, I kind of feel like, yeah, Tesla gets away with being the exception to the rule for so many things, but I also do like that they break and, and really don't adhere to so many of those traditions of the older car industry. I don't mind not having dealerships. Totally fine with me. Please, please, so, please, please. Ever. Don't they have to, though, to sell cars in Texas? People have to go, like, outside of Texas to buy the cars ugh. because of, like, some dealership law. I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but that's It's another hilarious. ancient piece of legislation yep. that has been applied to dealerships and happens to be awful for Tesla. But, hey. Yeah. That's just that's just the way it is in 2021. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Let's come back and talk about 
maybe a Tesla Burgers. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI power gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is gonna change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution, like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. Support for this show comes from Mercury. Financial operations are needlessly complex. Startups have to cobble together a patchwork of tools to reconcile transactions from different sources and struggle to glean answers from platforms that speak different languages. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, so you can pay bills faster, stay in control of company spending, and speed up reconciliation. Apply in minutes at mercury.com and join over 100,000 ambitious startups that trust Mercury not just for banking and credit cards, but for the precision, control, and focus they need to transform their financial workflows and perform at their best. Mercury, the art of simplified finances. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Mercury is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by Choice Financial Group and Evolve Bank and Trust, members FDIC. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. All right, speaking of not knowing what you're gonna get from Tesla, 
We've got a, a headline from Electric. You like that segue, right? Yeah, you've been pretty on today. I've been on the money. After you destroyed mine last week. But this is good. I'll let you, I'll let you have these. This is good. So uh, there's a, it's really just a trademark filing is all we have, but oh, the yeah. concept is really interesting. So apparently back in 2018, Elon Musk said that Tesla plans to open, quote, old school drive-in roller skates and rock restaurants <laughs> at one of the new Tesla superchargers near L.A., um, this is kind of like a, really, is he joking? Or is that like actually like a plan that he has to do? And then Tesla actually did file for the trademark for, I guess, a sort of burger joint type thing where they could eventually, uh, oh, Tesla trademark says, yeah. registration is intended to cover the categories of restaurant services, pop-up restaurant services, self-service restaurant services, and takeout restaurant services. Oh. So now the natural idea is, well, every time you're supercharging, you probably want to grab some food. That's like probably the number one activity people do when charging for a while. I would say that's the best way to sell supercharging to somebody who's so like when we travel when we travel pretty far in your car, the the one main thing is you have to stop to charge at some point. And most people don't like the biggest argument between gas is gas takes two minutes to fill up. Mm-hmm. Charging can take like twenty minutes to not fill up, but you know, get you far enough to where you go. Every time we would stop, we would plan it specifically to eat in that time. And by the time we would eat, it would be plenty of time to do that. So it doesn't even really feel like you're charging or making that stop. So if you add a restaurant or food to all of this, it makes perfect sense. Because then as long as you keep your road trip planned out accordingly and there's good food there, it almost won't feel like you're refueling. Yeah, it feels like it also feels like a smart business decision if you're Tesla Right now, you're you're investing all this money in building superchargers, right? Mm-hmm. So naturally, you're trying to be smart about where you put the superchargers. People are going to want to stop at rest stops, malls, uh, like obviously restaurants and things like that where it's easy to take a break and have a bite to eat. So business 101 is why not make money from that too? Like if yeah. you can open it, if you can build your own rest stop, and have Tesla superchargers and a Tesla merch shop and burgers and like a whole bunch of the most common activities for 20 minutes while charging. That's a good investment because you make your money back from it. Um, so I could see that being like a, a casual thing they start to do an experiment with. I think they just file the trademark just to be safe. Like that's just a thing companies yeah. do. But I don't know if they have plans for like people rollerblading out of, you know, a, a door uh, yeah, with a I burger on a platter like, or whatever. Yeah. But it's kind of it's just kind of a fun idea. I think it makes sense, though, like business-wise. That just makes sense. You weirdly hit a weird gripe I have with not anything Tesla-related, but okay. about road tripping. Uh-huh. I, it makes me furious when I'm on like going for a long trip and we're trying to find somewhere to eat. And in Google Maps, we type in restaurants or type in a place we want to stop at, click it, and it brings me to a mall. Uh, it makes me so angry. Like I've been driving four hours. All I want to do is grab something to eat. And now you took me 10 minutes out of my way to be at a mall where I either have to park the car, walk all the way inside the mall, sit down and get something to eat, or I guess get it to go. But like, just differentiate that. Yeah. That makes perfect sense for this now though, because if a Tesla supercharger is at a mall and now out in that back parking lot where the charger is, has something you can grab to eat, makes way more sense. Although- with 20 minutes, you probably could run into the mall, but Google Maps, please. I just want that one feature so bad. Just this is, this stop is a thing, bringing me to a mall. This is a thing in um in Tesla Superchargers, too. So I was driving up to practice, which is above New York near Connecticut, and I was a little bit early, so I was like, oh, let me just 
you know, stop at one of the nearby superchargers and charge up for a little bit just because I have time. Mm. And so I just picked the one on the map that was closest to it and drove to it. And it was like in the bottom of a parking garage that was like underneath the bunch. It was like just yeah. tucked away, like hard to find and annoying. And I wish there was some sort of indicator on the map of like, this one's in a parking lot. This one is in a paid parking garage yeah, that you need a ticket to get into. Part, yeah. In a mall. Like those are, that should be different on the map because mm-hmm. I really don't feel like doing that. Although some of them, uh, some of the parking garages, if you are only there for 20 minutes, they don't charge you, luckily, yeah. which is good. But yeah, that was a... Uh, that was kind of fun to see, but yeah, no, I I think that uh that like restaurant and just take just the the overall like vertical integration of like okay Tesla owns the property Tesla owns the chargers Tesla will probably have solar panels because they want to do re- renewable energy at all mm-hmm. the chargers Tesla will make that energy Tesla will sell you food while you're there and probably merch and probably other stuff too and they just own the entire pipeline that's what a good multi billion dollar company probably looks like in the future. As yeah. far as like autonomy and and charging on the go, and one of those things specifically stood out where it says self service restaurant. So like, it even doesn't need to be a full blown diner restaurant kind of burger joint or even something like that. If it's yeah. just like a pretty easy like similar to like those new Amazon shops out west where it's oh. like you walk in and there's not even someone working there. You just like or there's people restocking, but you grab it and it it tells what you took and then as you walk out it charges you for it you're just not even a cashier Are so like good yet i mean no but we're we're <laughs> talking about the future here like this is just a trademark we've got a while to go true because i was thinking that being out of the question i was like what is a self-serve restaurant i can't think of like what that is but i guess you know the whole foods of the future where you just walk in grab the thing and walk out and it charges you is the idea yeah i mean i would probably prefer it to be people there cooking and it's like fresher food but it could also just be something simpler wraps sandwiches pre-made stuff you stock it up in the morning because like you also have to think about this makes great sense but you have to be have a high enough profit margin for the people who are now working there all the time and what are the hours going to be is it going to be 24 24 7 there's a lot of questions and we're still just at the trademark but yeah i think it could be really cool yeah wild speculation on a trademark is my favorite oh yeah it's what uh, this podcast is all about. Yeah. Speaking of wild speculation, oh man, I'm crushing. Is, I'm crushing. Is this a speculation? Segways. Yeah, because this is a rumor. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> speaking of speaking of wild speculation, uh, we've got a Huawei P50 rumor slash image slash leak from Ice Universe. <laughs> I just like I just opened it, and the top comment is you just saying "lol" in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> it is a it is an image. I'm just going to paint a visual picture for you. So imagine the back of a phone, right? Mm-hmm. On the back of the phone, somewhere in the top left, you have your camera bump. Now I want you to look at the back of your phone and divide it into quadrants. I have a really good way to describe this, I feel like. I'm just going to say, if you can picture the, the back of your phone into quadrants, top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right, picture the entire top left binoculars two huge circles Just looking at you uh, this looks to, almost looks like to me um do you know how john rettinger does those thumbnails where he's focusing on cameras on smartphones where it's the smartphone back and he he dislocates basically the camera bump and zooms it up this looks like uh maybe like the iphone 10s which had the vertical two camera 
Oh. And then John Ranger zooming it out and just slapping it back on the back of the phone. But it's um, weird because it's it's got three cameras inside the top circle. Yeah. And then another camera and a flash inside the bottom circle. I assume the bottom one is like a large like periscope like, lens or some sort of large module. Like that sharp phone that's probably that's rumored yeah you, just, you know that one with just like one giant camera yeah so yeah. the fact that it's in a larger circle is purely aesthetic and they're oh, yeah. just leaning into this circular aesthetic and so it, it just looks like binoculars yeah, on the I, back of your phone. i think the best way to, to describe it is imagine a vertical two camera system that's gigantic and then there's cameras that's just the bump the cameras are inside what you thought were the cameras. Because when I first saw this from the corner of my eye on your screen, I thought it just had two gigantic cameras on the back. That would be And I don't know if that would be better or worse. I don't think, I think a phone is... Them would just be bad. I don't think a phone's thick enough for cameras to be that actually huge. I think this is just an aesthetic. Know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a look. It's a look. It's a look. Man, Huawei, <laughs> if, if this is actually the way the P50 looks, be prepared for the memes. Because you know, some companies do things I for the memes. Be prepared. Wait. It looks like Wally. That's another good one. Oh, if you just scroll down the comments, yeah, the comments it's are good. There's lit. more stovetop ones, like oh, the old. I, I highly recommend you scroll down and look at the memes. We'll in link the this in the show notes. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> Same energy. <laughs> so turntables. Oh it's... my god, this is great. Sonic microwaves. It's good. I don't know. It's dead mouse ears. Interesting. I haven't dead seen mouse that. ears. That would be. I feel like you could skin some cool things on this and use use that as inspiration on on top of it. But like, yeah, it's just a weird look. I don't know. It also has a flash in between them. <laughs> it's great. There's, I, it's so, I don't really get it. I mean, the, the focus of, the thing is the focus of so many of these new smartphones coming out is just the, the cameras and the differentiation of the cameras. And we already know Xiaomi, Huawei, they're not afraid of a big camera bump. Like they're not afraid of going yeah. absolutely nuts with how crazy the cameras look on the back of a phone. Whether or not their cameras are actually the best in the business, debatable, but they're not afraid to have a crazy camera bump. I still think if you're going crazy camera bump, you go horizontal and you go as high up as possible. So when it leans on the phone, it's almost like a wedge. Like I kind of imagine the Pixel 6 rumors, which you know has that big like Daft Punk looking horizontal. If that continued up to the top or was closer to the top edge, I think that would be like perfect. But yeah. this is just gonna have a crazy wobble. Yeah, and it's gonna wobble a lot. Yeah. Speaking of wobble, no, just kidding. I'm <laughs> fresh out. I'm fresh out of segues, but I'm fresh out of topics. We've talked about a lot of stuff so far, but honestly, uh, I think it was worth it. You I actually wound up segueing the end of the yeah. fresh out of segues, like fresh out of topics. I think fresh that was the best out. one of the episode. Let's go. I crushed today's crushed segues. A plus. Feel free to let me know how I did in the comments, but I'm pretty sure I crushed it. <laughs> Um, anyway, that's about it for uh, this week. We'll be back shortly. Of course, we've got a lot more to talk about. And WWDC is next week. Speaking of WWDC, we are going to have a Discord stage event next week. That's the plan. That's we're going to have uh, right now. WWDC is going to happen. And then we're going to talk about WWDC probably live with you guys on Discord and in video form. So stay tuned for all that and more. Of course, there'll probably be a lot of announcements on stage. I'm excited I'm for that. I'm sure that next week's going to be a, a lot to talk about. It's going to be sure. hype. Yeah, Either great. way, see you guys then. Thanks for watching. Catch you guys later. Waveform was produced by Adam Alina. We are partnered with Studio 71, and our intro-outro music was created by Vane Sill.
Support for this show comes from Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account. So ambitious companies have the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com.